which is also a summary of the Sikha. In this week's parsha, it says that Yaakov remained alone. He was left behind, so he went back. And uh, that's where he ended up wrestling with the Malach of Esau. So the Gemara says, why did he go? What does it mean that he went back? Why did he, where, why did he remain alone? So he says that he remained to go. He, they forgot they left behind some jars. And he went to pick up those jars. And that can be seen from the word itself. The word levadei vayavasa Yaakov. Yaakov remained levadei. can be read lekadei for his jars. So that's one explanation. The other explanation is that just like about Hashem it says that he is so removed that he is all alone. He's so higher than everything is all alone. So in a similar way, Yaakov also remained alone. Removed from higher than everything. It's uh, well known that whenever there is two or a number of explanations about a certain pasuk, certainly about a certain word, they all are connected to each other. But over here it seems that they're not only connected, they seem to be opposite to each other. When you say that uh, Yaakov remained for his jars, that means for something minimal, for something minor, insignificant. On the other explanation is that he he is so removed, so exalted compared to Hashem in, in that sense. So how do you bring together those? He remained for something uh, unimportant to he remained and he is completely removed so high. How do they come together? Now it's known that the, the Shalah says that whenever in every season of a Yom Tev, the parshas that are read during uh, the, air, the time of a Yom Tev are connected to the, parsha, uh, to the Yom Tev. The Yom Tev can be found in the parsha, alluded to in the parsha. So we are in the season of Yutas Kislev. The Yom Tev of this time is Yutas Kislev, which falls often, most often in the week of Ayishlach. So we must, be, uh, we must find some, uh, something in parsha of Yishlach which is connected to it. So to understand the connection, two reasons are given why Chassidus was revealed, which of course Yutas Kislev is connected with the revelation of Chassidus, why Chassidus was revealed only in the most recent generations. Why wasn't it revealed to the early greater sages and only to us? So one reason is given that because the, the darkness and the, the terrible darkness of our generations, therefore there was a need for, to have a greater light in order to be able to deal with this darkness. A second explanation is that since it's a mitzvah to taste from the foods of Shabbos before Shabbos on Friday, and we, in terms of the history of the world, the world is created with Shita al Fashni for six millennium, six thousand years, and the seventh millennium is the millennium of Mashiach. So now we're already past six and a half thousand years. So, which means that we're in the afternoon of Friday before Shabbos, the Yom Shakula Shabbos, the day which will be Shabbos, the millennium of Shabbos. So, therefore, we taste. We were given a taste of the the Torah of Mashiach, the inner dimension of Torah that will be revealed when Mashiach comes. Also, on Friday afternoon, before the time that Mashiach comes. So, here you have also the same opposite ideas. One reason is because of the darkness of this Golas. The other reason is because 
this uh, of this generation. The other reason is because this generation is immediately before Mashiach, so we're already close to the revelation of Mashiach. The opposite, the greatness of this generation. So explain to explain the whole thing. We know that Yutas Kislev is the beginning of Yefutsu minus Sechachutsa. That's when it really came to happen. It started with the Balshamta, but it truly happened with the Alter Rebbe after Yutas Kislev. That's when these wellsprings of Chassidus began to spread to the outside in the most, in a much bigger way. And it's already also been explained that when we talk about spreading the wellsprings of Chassidus, it means that the wellspring itself has to go out to the outside, to the furthest reaches of the outside. Not that the Chutzah, the, the Mayonis, somehow they, they remain on the, you know, in, on, in the inner sanctum, but they have their influence. They, they send out their, their, the good will and the good light, and then therefore it reaches the Chutzah as well. No. It means that the wellspring itself has to go out to the Chutzah. So this idea that the wellspring, the essence, has to go out to the furthest reaches and spread to every corner of the furthest reaches can be seen in a number of different places within Yiddishkeit and Tayyar. It all begins with Torah itself. So the the revelation of the inner dimension of Torah has to reach out within Torah to the revealed dimension of Torah. That's where it begins. Where do we see it? Until the, before the Alter Rebbe, there were also great leaders, great uh, scholars, and tzaddikim who were great both in Nigla and in Kabbalah. But they always saw it as two separate areas of Torah. There is the Nigla that they learned and the Kabbalah that they learned. And of course, the Kabbalah that they learned also had an effect on the Nigla and the way they learned it. But in the, in the end, they were two separate areas of Torah. Only through the Alter Rebbe did he integrate and make them into one Torah itself. He insisted that these were two, this was all one Torah. The Alter Rebbe often in other places points out that the Alter Rebbe's name, Shnei Ur, which means the two lights, the Balshemta said, he will reveal two lights in Torah, Nigla and Chsidis. He's called the Balatanya and the Shulchan Aruch, Chsidis and Nigla. But the fact is that they're both contained in one name because he integrated the two into one Torah. Now, the Yidin are connected to Torah. The Yidin are one with Torah. Torah is our very life. Yichayenu. So there is also the S, the uh, Mayonis within Yidin, within a Yid, also spread to the Galia, to the Revealed. What does that mean? The Mayonis talk about the inner concealed part of a Jewish soul. Meaning to say, that part of a Yid which, which is beyond revelation. It was always something that was un, not understood. It transcends our understanding, which is a Muna faith the areas of Amun of faith or submission, couple of soil, these are things which are not logical. They are the essence of the soul. They come from within the soul. And they were not necessarily understood by our Seichel. We couldn't relate to it intellectually and so on. Although they did certainly have an effect on the way we functioned as well, even before Chassidus. But they were still something concealed from and not totally, not really understood. The Alter Rebbe took the concept of Amunah, of faith, 
and Kabbalah soil, and he brought it down to a level where we can understand it and we can relate to it. It's now something that even though in essence transcendent, but we can t- grasp it, we can approach it with our seichel, we study about it, we try to understand it, and we do understand it to some degree. That's what the Alter Rebbe did. He took the fountain of of the essence of the neshama, which is amuna, and he brought it out to the chutzah, to our intellectual understanding, to the levels which, with which we normally function. Just like it happened for the individual Jew, it also happened to the Jewish nation as a whole. The Jewish nation is all one one structure, one entity of the Jewish people. So there was also the fountain the, uh, the fountainhead which was brought to the chutzah in what way? in every generation always there were G'dayli Yisrael, the tzaddikim and so on the ones that were the inspiration for the Jewish people and the leaders and the guides of the Jewish people but, and they certainly had their effect on the Jewish people but they themselves remained sequestered in their own space, in their, their own daladamas their influence spread to the Jewish people. They taught, which was taught to others. Their behavior was a model for people, but they remained sequestered. When Chassidus, the Alter Rebbe, came along, it became that the Godladur, the Tzadikim, they went out to the people. They reached out and they integrated the people. They dealt, talked to them, and they spoke to them in their own language. They spoke to them about their own needs. They spoke to them in the way that they needed to hear, that what they needed to hear, what they needed to be taught about. Not just general things, but each individual was able to hear and, and, and be fed from the fountainhead himself, from the tzaddik himself. And it even reached such yidin, which would be considered chutzah, because in terms of teirah and mitzvahs, they were still on the outside, on the outskirts, let's call it. Now, since the Torah is the essence of the world, that's like the soul of the world, because the whole Torah, the whole world was created for the Torah, Bishvil HaTorah Nikras Reishis. So therefore, certainly, Yutas Kislev, this Yafutzah also affected the world as a whole. Which means to say, in general, the world is a place of concealment. The very name world, Eula, means concealment. It's a place where Hashem is concealed. We could reach a certain understanding of a locus of godliness if we work hard, you know, to understand it. But what can we reach? Only that part of godliness which is involved in the world, which permeates the world, which is the name Alekim, which, which is the numerical value of Hateva, which means the nature. So in other words, the way Hashem runs the world, runs the nature, the way Hashem is the creator of the world, that we can hope to understand by observing the world, observing nature, and come to the conclusion that Hashem exists, and even understand somewhat of it. But we cannot reach that level of Havaya, which means the part of Hashem which is transcendent to the world. The name Havaya means Haya Haya means past, present, and future all at once, meaning that it transcends the natural order. We can't reach that with our own Seichel because it is by definition beyond us. And even though there is some of Havaya does uh, infiltrate into the world, like through miracles. Miracles means a revelation of Havaya into the world, but that isn't what the world is about. That is something which disrupts the way the world works. So it isn't that Havaya becomes what the world is, 
it's still something which is not of the world. When it penetrates, it's in a way that it disrupts the world. Now, Chassidus came along and was able to reveal to us in the world that there is a transcendent Havaya and that we could hope to understand about Havaya. And it explained through, um, through parables and through analogies of realities that we see in the world how they explain this transcendent part of Hashem. That's another thing that, that Chassidus accomplished that the Mayonis, the essence of Hashem, Havaya, is able to come down and be able to understood in the world that it reached down into the Chutzah into the outer dimensions of the world, even this physical world. Which the Rebbe now notes, explains one phrase of what the Alter Rebbe writes in his famous letter that he wrote after, after the redemption of Yutus Kislev. He writes, Hifli Hashem, Hashem showed amazing wonders, Vehigdel, and he did great things, Lasses Ba'aretz, in this world. That's how he, he explains the great miracle that happened in Yutis uh, Kislev. What did he mean by that? So perhaps it could be explained this way. The way Hashem normally conducts himself in the world is there are two ways that are in which he approaches. There is the natural process, which is that, he, that you don't see. Nature is what's apparent. God's hand in nature is concealed. That's what it means. Oilam, Hashem's hand in it all is concealed. There's another way which is that when you, you see Hashem's divine providence, you see that Hashem is working and making all this happen, it becomes obvious. That means that it, there is a revelation of godliness in the world. Which is, means Havaya. Havaya means where Hashem is obvious in the world. Elikim means He's concealed in the world. So sometimes you see, as we said before, miracles and so on. And there are three ways in which these miracles or these inf- um, invasions of Avaya into the world happen. One way is that Hashem invades nature. He causes nature to happen in such a way that it's a miracle happened but it's not obvious that a miracle happened because it could just be explained away in nature. Things happened, they lined up the right way everything was in the right time in the right place and like for instance the miracle of Purim which could be explained away as a whole bunch of events that just happened to line up in the right way and that's called a miracle of Katnus the smaller, a smaller type of a miracle minor let's say although it's a great miracle but it's minor in the way Hashem revealed Himself through it then there is, then there is a miracle which is called Godless Hashem Higbil as the Alter Rebbe says, he did great miracles. What does that refer to? When he, when what the miracle that happens becomes an obvious miracle. It's very clearly a miracle. It's not concealed. It's obviously a miracle. But when we call it a great miracle, great is only in comparison to small. When you compare the two, then this is great and this is small. But it means that they are within measuring distance of each other. Then there is a third degree which is called Hifli. Absolutely amazing, meaning something that is completely transcendent of nature altogether. It's clearly, obviously, unreservedly a miracle. And he explains the three types of miracles as they are. We said already that the first one is like the Nesaf Purim, which was all working within nature. The second level is a clear 
um, a, expression of a miracle, which an example of that could be the the story of Yericho, the way Yeshua conquered Yericho. Yericho was a uh, fortified city right at the entrance to Eretz Yisrael, and if they had to break through there, and so they surrounded the city of Yericho, and they marched around the walls seven times, they blew Shefer, and the walls collapsed. That's an absolute miracle. But then they went into the city, and they fought a war inside the city, and they conquered the city. So to conquer the city of Yericho, it was a combination of an absolute miracle, which worked alongside of a natural war that was going on. In a sense, the same, uh, even more so, would be the, the uh, war that the Yidin had with, with uh, Midian. They, Hashem commanded them to arm an army, go out with an army and arm yourself and go and march against Midian and have, fight a war with Midian, which they did. After the war, they really came back and they said, not one Jew was killed in this war. They vanquished, they destroyed Midian, not one Jew was killed, which means they fought a natural war and there was this absolute miracle that nobody got killed. In other words, a miracle and nature working alongside each other. Not that it's working within nature, but they're working alongside each other. Similar to what the story, there's a story about the Al-Tarebbe that they brought, it was a sick person that all the doctors gave up and they uh, hoped for him and they brought him to the Alter Rebbe, the Alter Rebbe said that he should eat a half a Shmura Matzah and water, drink water, and he was healed. So this is contradictory. If eating matzah and, and drinking water doesn't, is not medicine, it doesn't heal this kind of a problem. And if, Hashem, if he's doing a miracle, then what does he have to eat it for? That's what it was. He needs to eat, do something physical, and the miracle comes, so they, they have to work alongside each other, but nobody could say, well, you know, in certain cases, eating matzah does help. Nobody would say that. It's just a miracle which needed a little bit of uh, physical teva, nature, something natural to work alongside it. Then there are miracles which need, don't need physical nature at all. Like the story of Chizkiah Melech, he went to war against Aram, I think, and He's, what he, the way he said it, I'm going to sleep, the miracle will happen. It, he, the king, he didn't even lead the war, he didn't do anything, he went to sleep with certainty that Hashem would take care of it, and that is in fact what happened. And that's what the Alter Rebbe says, that in this miracle there was Hifli, in addition to Higdil, doing great miracles which worked with nature, he did miracles which were completely transcendent of nature, there wasn't even any need for nature at all. That's the kind of miracle he did. But but he brought it down into the world. It all happened in this reality. Taking the very highest type of miracle, but making sure that it is, it reaches down to the chutzah. It happens in the reality of the world. Now the question is, how do you bring together the concealed dimension of Torah and the revealed dimension of Torah? Something that the Torah recognizes as two separate areas, calls it concealed and revealed areas of Torah. How do they become one? How do they integrate with each other? The way that happens is, when you reveal the very essence of it, when you reveal the essence of something, when there is an extension, the way something is projected outward, so then everything has projected outward in a certain definition. These are the parameters in which this can be revealed to the outside. And different things are projected in different ways. And therefore they can't get together. 
But when you reveal the essence of something, since that's the essence of every projection that happens, so that which is revealed and that which is concealed become one and they integrate. We have the same essence. The essence is the same. An expression of this essence being the essence of every aspect of Torah can be seen from the halacha. That if somebody denies any part of Torah that, Moshe, that he, he would say, for instance, this one Moshe Rabbeinu made up on his own. It wasn't given to him by Hashem. So it makes no difference if he says uh, he's considered a denier of the Torah. He denies the entire Torah. And it doesn't matter whether he says that about something which Torah recognizes as a very important part of Torah, like Shema Yisrael, Hashem, Lekein Hashem Achad, or he says it about something what Torah itself says is from the smaller areas of Torah. Like there's a passage that says that the sister of Leitan was Timna. We really don't have any connection to Leitan or to Timna, but yet the Torah says it. If he says that ah, this one Moshe Rabbeinu decided to throw in, that's ju- it's just as much a denial of the truth of Torah as if you deny the Pasuk Shema Yisrael. Why is that? Because the essence of both Shema Yisrael and Vachayis Leitan Timna are the same. So if you deny any part of the essence, you are denying the whole, the whole truth of the whole thing. Here we see that even though there are things, the way they project, there are certain things which come at us from the Torah with more importance or less importance, but the essence of it all is the same. The same thing happened by the Yidin. We said before that by Yidin there was also the revelation of Amuna. So the same thing happened when you reveal, the, when you have the way the Neshama projects outward. So you have Amuna, which is something which is beyond our comprehension and therefore you can't understand it. Something that is can be understood al so you could understand it. But when you exp- when you reveal the essence of the neshama, which is what the Alter Rebbe did through Chesidus, so then emuna and regular Torah mitzvahs all become one. They are both they both are able to integrate. You can understand emuna with your seichel. There is no longer an objection to emuna in investing itself in seichel. It, there's no problem with it. The essence is the same. The same happened, what he said, for, for the Jewish people as a whole. Where once upon a time the, uh, the leaders, the great ones, only remained within and then they began, they went out to the chutzah. Because when you reveal the essence of the Yid, so then every part and every Yid, the furthest Yid away from Torah mitzvahs, is the same essence as the big tzaddik. And therefore, they all become one. They all, it's one one entity, one unity it's all one body and therefore the tzaddik integrates and engages with every last yid and the same is true for the world itself as he said before that even the air which is, un, which is not really something that can penetrate the world somehow came into the world we can understand things about the transcendent part of the world of, of godliness that which transcends is the same thing when the godliness projects itself into the world so then the air which is meant to illuminate and the world which is a place which cannot be illuminated because it stands for concealment so the air cannot get into the world they, they live in different worlds but when the essence of it all is revealed and the essence of the, the light the air and the essence of the world are all one and the same 
therefore now they can integrate and you can begin to understand things of beyond the world in the world itself now this idea that the highest levels are revealed in the chutzah have to come down into the chutzah and it's specifically the highest worlds that the highest iris the mayan itself the, the spring itself which needs to go down to the chutzah where is that most apparent where does that where is it accomplished the most where does it really have its full impact when there is a place which is completely unhospitable to godliness unhospitable to the Mayan and then it go in, and the Mayan does penetrate even there even to that chutzah that's where it's the most impactful and that explains the two explanations of why Chesidus was revealed specifically in our time how they're really one, they are they're really connected to each other the darkness which we are in now is the most inhospitable place for the rev- for revelation of godliness that's why it had to be in this generation in that darkness that this deep light the light from the Mayan from the, the spring itself had to be revealed in this world in this generation and when you have that kind of Revelation from the Mayan, from the essence of Hashem, into the our generation, to the darkness. That is the taste of Mashiach that we have before Mashiach comes. That the highest level of godliness is being revealed into the darkness. That is the taste of Mashiach. That means that we are close, and that that is really what the the revelation of Mashiach is all about. And now that explains. The connection between the two, the two meanings of why Yaakov remained, whether he remained for his minor jars or for being elevated to the status of being alone alongside or similar to Hashem. Because when Yaakov recognizes the need to be able to elevate and go down to the lowest level to the small jars and to make sure that they also are elevated, that's where you realize that's where you see his connection to the absolute highest level to the place where he's all alone in a place where he is compared to Hashem in that way